Hi, and welcome to Blademore's podcast series, Centre Stage. My name is Anthony Coombs, and I'm the Creative Director at Blademore. In Centre Stage, we tackle the issues that business communicators face, from investor and ESG communications to employee engagement and brand. In this episode, which is the first in a two-part series, I'll be joined by Carl Smith, Strategy Director here at Blademore, and we'll be talking about brand, in particular, how organisations communicate change and the role of branding in signalling that change. Hi, and welcome to Centre Stage, Carl. Hey, Ant. Great to be here. So, Carl, tell us why business is so concerned about branding. I think when you look around, there's there's so much discussion about branding, uh, so many different branding terms. People talk about brand strategy, brand architecture, positioning, brand experience, identity. Uh, there are people talking about corporate brands versus enterprise brands, employer brands, sustainability brands. So there's, there's so much discussion about branding, but I think there's a, a lack of clarity uh, and a lack of precision. And that's on the client side, I find lots of people talking about brand, but maybe being too afraid to ask what exactly what exactly it is about. Um, and often uh, probably feeling a bit silly to try and actually ask questions about it. So maybe we will, we will have a look at that today. Um, I also think that sometimes the brand agencies themselves like to keep uh, some confusion and mystery ar- around branding. And that's part of their, their cachet or you know part of their business model, I suppose. So do you think um, having an agency point of view or an outside perspective is helpful? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's oftentimes with clients that they are so, so close to what's going on in their, in their company uh, and so close to what the brand means, what the culture of the place is, what its reputation is, that they can't actually see what's going on in, in a more fundamental level. And I, I've got experience definitely of working with clients who had spent years uh, coming up with brand models, coming up with you know, doing brand research, but they, they, they missed that outside perspective and I suppose also the experience that comes with being in an agency and doing it every day. Uh, to actually just look at what was there and to be able to cut through the detail and, and pull out an important idea that actually made all the work that they'd done uh, worthwhile, had actually given it some better shape or salience. Uh, so I think I think it is definitely necessary for clients to do that. Now, which brand agency they choose or which type of agency they choose is, is a whole other question. Uh, and I think there are, when you look at the work that different agencies do, uh, there are strengths and weaknesses and is that to do with uh, philosophy or is it process? What's it's it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I've always been, I've always looked at things pragmatically. So I, and I think it's it's one of the reasons I I joined Bladenmore, is that you can, you can see the big idea, the strategy, the abstract, but you can also actually see what it means in practice. And I think a good brand or a good brand agency will be able to. Go deep into your organization, into your company, understand what makes it tick, understand what it's about, understand what it means to various stakeholders and audiences, and be able to come up with an idea that gives coherence to all of that, but also be able to help you understand how that idea really has to live every day. If I had one criticism of some of the big brand agencies, is that often that abstract highly creative brand conceptual realm, sphere, whatever you want to call it, uh, 
is too far away from how people will experience a brand in real life. Uh, and I think that comes down also to not necessarily understanding uh, content. So, you know, a lot of the time a brand will be experienced through content. Um, and I think there's a, there's a philosophy or an approach where a big idea is created, and often they're amazing in absolutely beautiful ideas. And then they are applied across a range of different channels uh, or materials. But the, the brand is, is, is applied almost from the top down. And the idea of how people are going to interact with that brand or experience it, or they, yeah, I suppose it's the, the consumer or the uh, employee, the, the, the person who's experiencing the brand. I think we don't, or those organizations don't think enough from that perspective. I think they're more thinking from the brand outwards and they create a beautiful brand and then it is activated, it is given to people rather than thinking about how the people will, will experience it. So that's a bit of a leap. How do you kind of get people on board with that then in terms of activating a brand? I think in, in B2B and in corporate, it is easier. Uh, I think... Because you're dealing not with how does a particular brand idea uh, translate for one very specific audience, because you have to think about many more audiences, uh, professional and non-professional audiences, your idea has to, in order to, to sell your idea, you have to actually show how it will be implemented. I think it's part of our world, the kinds of um, companies and organizations that we deal with. They, they expect that more concrete proof of concept to be there. Uh, and I think we wouldn't get away with it otherwise. I think people need to see the realization of the brand. I also think sometimes even the, the expression brand activation, to me it always feels like there's a big brand idea and then it's activated as like a bomb, it's exploded on people. Um, and I think actually we need to think about how, how a brand is experienced. And we always think, you know, we think of employees, we think of... Uh, people who may want to join an organization. We think of investors, journalists, analysts. We, we always think broadly about how they will encounter the brand, how they will encounter the company. Um, and we don't ever live in that uh, more rarefied world where there is this brand to be activated. Our, our world is, is, is a bit more, yeah, I suppose down to earth, really. So is there a, an opportunity to do things differently at that point? I, I think there is. Um, I would say, and, and maybe it's a contradiction, but I would say that some of the most creative brand agencies, when it comes to defining brands and delivering brands, are still actually very, very old-fashioned in what they do. The process is still very much, there is a lot of upfront strategy, lots and lots and lots of creative exploration, uh, and, you know, quite a bit of money spent before you actually see anything. Um, and, then, and then out of the end of that, um, that creative strategic black box comes the brand. I think more and more clients want something practical, something useful. Uh, they will often say, we want a brand, but actually it's mainly about the website. Uh, we want, we have a problem to solve. Can you solve it for us, with us? And we know it involves doing something with the brand, but we don't want to do that, you know, six months, seven months project going through things by the book. And I think 
we need to be creative in how we tackle those projects. And it's not to say that we throw rigor out the window and we don't do our research, but I think we have to be less purist about it. We have to understand what a client wants and to understand that actually you can develop and create and come up with a brand through the vehicle of building a website. You don't have to do all the brand work up front and then apply the brand to the website afterwards. The brand itself actually um, can be explored through the website, the experience of the brand, uh, how that is actually created or made real through a website is, is a brilliant way to actually think about what a brand means. So sort of avoiding the kind of academic way of looking at things and, and being more sort of hands-on, what do you think is behind that then? Is it a sense of uh, the pace of change that people haven't got time to, to kind of reflect or is it more about the complexity of communications now that things are so intertwined, it's difficult to, to kind of step away? You, know, you have to carry on communicating. I th- yeah, I think, I think the, the idea of iteration and the idea of, of change and constant change is, is, probably, is probably the key. I know, you know, when you look back on some of those quite expensive brand guidelines books, and you know they're almost like a coffee table book. They were they were beautiful. Uh, you know those those things are out of date almost as soon as they arrive. Uh, and I think the idea of tools and the idea of clients understanding the ideas behind a brand, but being able to actually be more fluid in what they do is probably the right the right way. I think the idea of a brand consisting of you know whatever its latest best examples are um, is, is as good a way of looking at it as any. I know many years ago we worked with a client who had people, it was mainly through digital, but they had people in about 30 different countries all doing essentially brand work. Um, and you know we came to the point where the brand consisted of a very small set of rules or principles. Mm-hmm. And beyond then, actually, beyond that, it was actually about members of the brand community keeping each other updated about the kinds of work they'd done and that work being discussed by the others in the other countries and coming to some sort of consensus about what was good and what was bad rather than, uh, you know, here are the rules, here are the templates, you have to do it exactly this way. And I think that fluidity and that movement is probably also a reflection of, you know, social media, the number of different channels, the you know, omni-channel, whatever the buzzwords are, but the fact that your brand is living in all of these environments and that those environments are changing quite quite rapidly. So in that sort of collaborative world, what's the role of the agency? How does the agency respond to a many-headed organisation? I think, I think the agency still has a very important role to play up front in the thinking. Okay, so maybe it's not going off, as you say, to reflect up a mountain for six months and come back to the answer. But I, I think that, that role of being able to see what, people inside the organization can't is still hugely important. Uh, and that is also where you apply your creative thinking, you know, the habits of thought that you have for over the years and years of doing this, I mean, are still useful, I think, to a client. Beyond that, I think it's probably then more about collaboration, uh, accepting that within most organizations, there are people of various skills and levels of experience, but who are doing this stuff. And that the agency isn't there to be the brand police or to hit them over the head, but it's actually there to 
cooperate with them, collaborate with them, work on common projects together. Um, and I think, I think that is the way forward. Often, actually, clients can't afford to have the brand agency doing everything the whole way through. Anyway, it's too expensive, and the traditional brand agency doesn't necessarily like to get drawn into that. They prefer to be um, more in, in that kind of policing role. I, I do remember it, uh, years ago with a, a client, I'm not sure who it was, but it was, a, it was a supermarket client, and once a week they had the brand clinic, and all the you know, more hands-on communication agencies who were working with the client had to come in and show their work to the, the brand guru. And, and there, was a, there was an element of fear about it. I mean, people used to come in having to show their work. And, and they would sit all day, uh, some internal people from the client and these, the, the brand agency, uh, pronouncing on the work. And it was quite funny. But the, the, the big thing that I took away from that was we came in with some really interesting work uh, that really suited the brief, but it, but it was off-brand, but rightly off-brand. It was, you know, I would say it was it was better. Uh, and the pronouncement of the brand committee was that it all had to be redone to fit the brand in a, in a different way. But that in order to do so, um, the brand agency would have to get paid a relatively large amount of money to create the assets for it. So it was kind of, on the one hand, it, it was the brand approval, but on the other hand, it was a, a bit of a cash machine. Uh, I'm not saying that that's the norm, but I just remember that sticks out to me that that notion of the the brand agency coming in once a week as this sort of uh, divine presence to 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 help the the poor client and the the underling agencies. So, so is it about managing change? You know, the idea that you perhaps six twelve months ahead of where the brand needed to be, and you know, to kind of rush and, and make change too quick, therefore makes everything else look out of date. So you have to kind of manage the sort of transition of the brand. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. It, it's one of those things when you look at a brand after a couple of years and you you think, oh my gosh, that's really dated looking now. Or it was perhaps really, really on trend at the time. And, you know, you, you from your background know what aspects jump out as being on trend or off trend or, or too much of their time. And so, so I think that's one part of it. But there's also... When you look at brands that do stand the test of time, the core is still there, but they've been able to uh, develop and adapt as they go forward. And I think, I think it's that balance between having really solid foundational ideas, but also the flexibility around that to you know roll with the punches, whatever cliche you want to use, but to keep uh, to keep moving. Um, and I, th- I think it's that idea that the brand is, is is never just fixed and static. It is. The principles should remain intact, uh, but how it's applied, how it's communicated, there has to be room there to flex. There has to be room to evolve and develop. So what do you see at the core of a brand? What's the, what's the core element? A lot of agencies have, have their big brand model. Um, often it's a triangle or a circle or an onion or a, a series of all of them together. And usually they're trademarked and they're very important and you shouldn't copy them. Uh, Although generally when people move between agencies, they bring all that stuff with them and they, they make their own version. Uh, for, for me, it, it doesn't really matter what the model is or whether it's vision, mission, values, purpose. I mean, these things come and go. I, I think that it's, it's getting a story down, some sort of simple narrative that says what the promise is or what the company is about, what it believes in. And it does it in a way, 
and in language that the people in that company feel, you know, has been written for them, feel that it could have been written 20, 30, 40 years ago when it's still true, whatever it is. And I think that's one of our roles is, is to create a brand that is, uh, or a story that is inspirational, um, is there's an element of aspiration in it that people want to be part of this, but it also has to feel real. I think authenticity is one of those words that is overused, but but it's 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 important that people within a company or people outside who are dealing with a company see that story and understand it and don't think that it's something that's been you know dreamt up by some smart copywriter in London or New York or whatever. It it has to have a feel that you know resonates engages feels right to the people that it's about and for so that's so why i think the, the core of the brand is is the story and then off that story then you think about i suppose the personality of the brand and then you start to think about tone of voice and you think about visual and the things that express it but it's still these are manifestations or expressions of a core story and that's the way i think of it where does that story exist you know how, how do you kind of uh, land it you know is it is it written into a manifesto or does it exist as um part of the website you know where, where do you see that narrative mm. living so i mean the narrative itself and i always when i start thinking about writing one for a client it's the dreaded uh, blank piece of paper and and generally what happens when you're doing research or interviews, bits of story come to you from the people you're interviewing, and there will be particular phrases, forms of words, uh, ways of speaking that feel interesting. And those are in your notes somewhere. And once you live with it for a while and you have it in your head, that you know the, the number of different stories it could be are actually quite narrow. There aren't that, you know, classically you give people a choice of three, the rule of three is important. Um, but usually you will find that they're not three radically different. If, if you've done the research and you've actually got close to the company and, and understand what the company is about, they won't be three radically different stories. They'll be three versions of the same story. Uh, and then those bits of copy, that, or those bits of lines, those bits of thoughts that people have given you when you're doing the research, come back to you when you're writing the narrative. And, and I actually find that lots of the words are already there and, and your job is actually just to make them into something that, that flows rather than starting from scratch. And then also the, the, the tone and the pace and the, the rhythm of the words uh, is something that I think comes from your feeling about the company. It, it's weird. Sometimes it can be quite poetic. Sometimes it's very staccato. Sometimes it's very blunt. Um, but hopefully that matches the mood the mood of the company so to answer your question uh where does that live i, I think it, it definitely lives internally as you know as a document for people to reflect on it can live in full sometimes on a web page often it's chopped up and used in different places um for different audiences and if you're lucky and it works out well, it can even be compressed down to something pithy that actually captures it all. So sometimes clients come and say, oh, we want a strap line, and we want this and we want that. And you go, well, there may not be a strap line that actually captures what you're about. It's um, 
it could be nice, it could be good, but I can't promise that there will be one or I can't promise how many words will be in it. It's something that evolves. Some some brands end up being expressed in a strapline that just makes absolute sense to capture the story, and others it, it feels kind of grafted, it feels slightly artificial, in, in my experience. Thanks so much for all your insight. Really interesting. No, oh, thank you, Anne. Thanks for having me. It's been good fun. As mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this is the first episode of a two-part series on the topic of brand. So please subscribe to Centre Stage wherever you listen to your podcasts and make sure you don't miss out on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.